Hey y'all, Lily here. I'm not on my normal mic right now, but just wanted to give y'all a heads up that we're going to be discussing Kingdom Hearts 3 spoilers, uh, and really just spoilers for the whole series, probably. Uh, that conversation ends at about 10 minutes and 30 seconds into the podcast, so if you don't want to be spoiled on Kingdom Hearts, just go ahead and skip there. Thanks, and enjoy the episode. Okay, we are in sync. Welcome to Kingdom Hearts Cast, uh, where we talk about Kingdom Hearts 3 and how much it made me cry. I'm your host, Lily. (laughs) And I'm Sam. That was like a 10 second delay, Sam. (laughs) (laughs) I I was trying to not burst out laughing. And our co-host ghost, Lynn. Oh my god, this is already going to require so much editing. (laughs) Yeah, but... We do have a co-host, Ghost Lynn. So yeah, I beat Kingdom Hearts 3. Um, we're gonna get into some spoilers real quick, because I'm not- There's no way I'm not talking about this shit on the podcast. Uh, I'll, I'll definitely insert, like, a timestamp uh, right after this uh, for when you can skip to, if you don't want to be spoiled on Kingdom Hearts 3 and how much it made me cry, uh, because I am a little baby, and it made me cry a lot. It has- Like, the game has a lot of problems- but it made it also made me cry. Like the tears, they were flowing. I just, it's not fair. It's not fair how after the end of the game, I don't know if it's actually like a thing that happens when you buy Remind or if it's just a thing that happens when you beat the game. How Kyrie shows up on the fucking main menu screen. It's not fair when Roxas came back and Shion came back and. Axel Roxas and Shion hugged. It wasn't fair. I I'm I'm dead inside. Everything is sad. Everything is pain. Terra crying. Terra showing up and like again, I I say this like at least once a week to various people and I will continue saying this until the end of time. Lingering Will is the coolest shit in this entire franchise, and every single time it shows up... Lingering Will is so cool! Like, every time it shows up, and Tara's, like, doing something with it, it's like, oh, oh, this is... Here they are. Here are the feelings. Like, oh my god. 
Oh, Lynn's right. Master Eric is showing back up. Who's Mark Hamill, by the way. Uh, Master Eric is showing up and, like, apologizing. And he and Xehanort, like, going and becoming children again. And just, like, going to fucking Kingdom Hearts heaven. Like... I actually really hate both of those things. Uh, like, I'm so sorry. Like, my... Re- like, the, the, the one thing that I really dislike about the ending is... Like, how they handle Ericus and uh, Xehanort, unfortunately. I really wish that I liked it, but I really, really don't. You're so valid, but I I was I was too busy crying to dislike it. That's fair. I'm just mostly annoyed that they, like, it feels to me, it feels very strongly to me that they spend a decade and various games building up, oh, here is Xehanort's, like, specific ideology, here is his plan, here's his personality, and, like, they're very, like, there's not really anything left to interpretation, it's like, this is what he is clearly trying to do for the reasons that he's trying to do, and then they kind of, like, like, in the last, like, five minutes of the game, they're like, oh, but actually, (laughs) actually, he was a good guy, (laughs) he he was doing this for this reason, and I was like, no, no, he really wasn't. He he told us that he specifically wasn't doing it for this. Like, where did this come from? So it was kind of like, eh, eh. yeah. Don't get me wrong. It was it was it was not a good redemption. It 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 wasn't the redemption that did it for me. It was the fact that like I am a sucker for the ghost of dead friends coming back and like being like, bud, it's over, bud. We're going away. You're done. And I I wept. Yeah, like, Lynn's got it right. It's cute scene, bad guy. Yeah. Fuck Xehanort. Fuck Xehanort. No heart, no heart with an X, motherfucker. <laughs> and I'm still mad. I'm still mad that I only realized that Erekus' name is square backwards, like, after <laughs> I played the game. <laughs> I did not realize the entire goddamn game. And then I looked at him and I was like, wait, hold on. It's not backwards, it's just like an uh, an anagram of square. Uh, that being said, that whole part where Yen Sid... Okay, so, f- full disclosure, these are not good videos. There are some bad jokes in there. I- I'm-, I'm a fan of the Kingdom Hearts in a Nutshell videos, and they have a running gag where every time Yen Sid shows up, he's just like, my name is Disney backwards. <laughs> and every single time. And so when we get to the part where Yen Sid shows up and does that magic, like that huge part where he like parts the fucking sea or whatever, <laughs> I like out loud was just like, and my name is Disney backwards. <laughs> and it turns out that was actually in the fucking video at that exact moment. And I was so happy I called that. It's good. It's a good bit. But it's also, bit. like, no, Ericus's name isn't an anagram. It's literally straight up square backwards. There is. It's not. No, it is. It's E-A-R-Q-U-S. Square is. No. So you're saying square is spelled like this. Okay, they, they flip the Q and the U. <laughs> Sakare. <laughs> I don't know. Sakare would be a cooler name than Square. It's probably how Nomura says Square. That's my square. defense. Square. <laughs> That's my defense, and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> I've revealed to my wife, who is an avid Final Fantasy XIV fan, that Nomura is the one who's been designing the latest raids, and the fucking 
look on their face. Also, just want to state my wife, who has been, I'm stating this on my podcast purposely despite them. I, I want to state this entire time I've been playing through Kingdom Hearts again over the past couple of years to get ready for Kingdom Hearts 3, they have avidly claimed to hate Kingdom Hearts. They think it's the most annoying shit. They want Donald and Goofy to die. And then they started crying the second Roxas and Shion showed up, just like I did. They were crying the entire fucking ending, just like I did. And then, after I went to bed that night, they were still listening to Don't Think Twice. So you know what? Aiden's a fucking Kingdom Hearts fan, whether they want to admit it or not. <laughs> You can be a Kingdom Hearts fan and hate Kingdom Hearts. You can also very much hate Kingdom Hearts and also cry because of Kingdom Hearts. In fact... You're so right. You can hate Kingdom Hearts because you cry at Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> like, I know I know several people who are like, fuck this goddamn game, it's making me have feelings about Donald Duck. That's illegal. <laughs> well, Aiden still doesn't care about Donald Duck. But he casts Zeta Flare. He does, in fact, cast Zeta Flare. And he kills himself for it. Donald is just like, I'm gonna sacrifice my goddamn self. And, like, I didn't get sad at the part because that was one of the one of the bits I did get spoiled on. And I just thought Donald actually died this whole time. Which, to be fair, he did actually die. Just timeline shenanigans. Important to note, the spell that he casts in all of Final Fantasy canon in all of Square Cannon, is only cast by one other character. That's how strong it is. It's at least a million times stronger than the version of Flair that gets cast by Bahamut at the end of Final Fantasy XIV, before A Realm Reborn. And that version of Flair breaks the servers, because that's canonically the thing that kills the old game, so we can then get Realm Reborn. God, can I talk about how much I love that, though? It's like, lore in Final Fantasy XIV. I love that they, like, turned the death of the servers into a piece of lore. It's so good. It's really good. Oh, God. Uh, in, in other news, uh, Kingdom Hearts spoilers over. I played this game called Devotion. I don't, I don't know if you've heard of it. It was banned off the Steam store. So, like, there's only one way to get it, unfortunately. Full disclosure, I did have to pirate the game. I played it last night. Uh, starting at around 1 a.m. It did not scare me, but god damn, that game was good. It does a lot of, like, really interesting... Do you know about it, Sam? I have no knowledge of this game in any way. Okay, so let me just give you the pitch here. The story, like, follows this family. You're playing as the father. It follows this family, and you sort of go through the same apartment throughout the different years of this family's life as you try and uncover what happened, like, to specifically, like, the daughter and the wife and who you are, in fact, because you don't know at the beginning of the game. It's a first-person, like, psychological horror game, uh, kind of in the vein of PT, I would say, just because it does a lot of those shenanigans, where, like, you turn around and suddenly everything's different. And it's really about, like, who these characters are, what they are really devoted to and like their relationships to one another and i think like what really really caught me on the game was just how many interesting visual things they were doing do you care if i get into like some minor spoilers 
yes, because I, uh, now that you're now that you described it, I think Waypoints Radio made an episode on that, and I was it's on my list of eventually play and or watch a playthrough. Okay, do play it. It's only three hours long. It's it's incredible. Um, it did not scare me. I will state I I am like a horror veteran at this point, so like I was not spooked except for the very very beginning, where my wife did in fact scream. Other than that, I, my wife did scream at 1.30 in the morning, which was really funny. But, uh, yeah, no, go play Devotion. From what I've heard, I looked it up. There is apparently a physical release in Taiwan that came back, which is good to hear that it's possibly coming back. Probably won't return to Steam, but you might be able to get a copy that you don't have to pirate soon. So that would be nice. It's a shame that it got taken off the Steam store. Lynn says she's a baby, can't relate, gets scared of everything. I'm sort of in the same boat. Horror, like, absolutely gets me. It's the... And you know how... You know how the worst thing you can do with a horror movie or, like, a horror uh, game is to not finish it? Because then it just kind of, like, stays there in the back of your brain? Yeah. Uh, So, I still get spooked out at night if I think too hard about Darkness Falls because... (laughs) <laughs> God, like 20 years ago or something, close to 20, we were watching it at, we were having like a, basically a, a Halloween party at school. It was sort of a fundraiser. Everybody brings a rocking chair to school. And then we watch movie, we watch two or three movies. And then we just all sit in rocking chairs and watch these movies in the cafeteria, whatever. But like halfway through Darkness Falls, which is a movie about a horror tooth fairy, and the basic premise is this monster cannot be in the light, but if you see it, if it sees you, like, fine, it's just going to, like, be really creepy and stay close to you and try to get you to open your eyes. If you open your eyes and see it, it murders you. Oh, cool. Lovely. And it continues to chase you for the rest of your life. It's like this weird, like, vengeful spirit thing. But it cannot exist, like, in light. A lot of the stress of the movie is characters like oh, the sun's going down, I really need to, like, finish driving and go to a place where I can just have all the lights on, that kind of stuff. Lynn says, I'm bad at eye contact, so take that, which, valid. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so halfway through that movie, I went, you know what? No, I got up, dragged my rocking chair to (laughs) my mom's classroom because she was a teacher at the time, and just kind of, like, left it in there, biked home as the sun was setting. <laughs> spent the rest of that summer freaked out whenever the sun was setting and I was still outside. And now if I wake up in the middle of the night and I just like think too hard about that movie, it's like, oh yeah, let, let's just open my phone and see what's on Twitter with this really bright light. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Full disclosure, y'all know the movie Unfriended. Like, uh, the fucking social media horror movie. It, it's not good. It's not good. Don't watch it. It, it sucks. I... It, it, it's basically, like, a movie that, like, the entire movie takes place on, like, a computer screen. And it's all about, like, Facebook or whatever. It's it's not a good movie. It really, like, looks at suicide badly. It, it's not good. Content warning weed, I guess. I was on 40 milligrams of a weed potion um, when I watched that movie. It made me so stressed out. And, like, I was sitting here with my wife and my partner, and Ends like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine! 
okay. And I made it through the whole movie. But except for like the last like No, I I made it through the whole movie. It's not good. Don't watch it. I did get scared watching Unfriended because I was very high. Well, at least now you know. You can be like, hmm, like this movie looks not nearly spooky enough to get that spooky experience. So now you know you can just drink drink the spooky juice. Drink the spooky potion. It's also worth mentioning that that's like way more than I usually have. I'm usually like a 10 milligram, 20 milligram kind of girl. And then I'm just like, you know what? Fuck it. Tonight I'm going 40. (laughs) And it was a bad call. It was a bad call. That does sound like a bad idea, unless you're doing something like specifically, unless you're doing something like, I'm going to lay down in this large pile of very fluffy blankets and cuddle. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I mean, I did that afterwards. Yeah, but like, I like I could see it in that context. Sure, great call. In the context of let's watch a horror movie. Mm. <laughs> it, was, it was, it was not my brightest moment. Okay, should we should we go ahead and get to the bleach? Because we have been talking about random shit for quite a bit. We're 18 minutes in, and we haven't actually we haven't said the actual name of this podcast, which is "It'll Wash Out." <laughs> Hello, and welcome to "It'll Wash Out," a bleach rewatch podcast. As stated earlier, with the fucking like Kingdom Hearts cast shit, uh, I'm your co-host Lily. I'm Sam, and we have a podcast ghost named Lynn. Uh, who's also here in the text, uh, guiding our spirits. Let's go ahead and get to the summary. The co-host goes with the most. <laughs> Episode 7. Greetings from a stuffed lion. We open back on the shop owner, Urahara, setting something on the ground, noting this should be everything they need as Ururu approaches. She seems afraid and apologizes for causing so much trouble, and Urahara pats her head, reassuring that he's not angry with her. He hugs her, asking why she's scared, and states that they are in this together, and she cries into his chest. Where was this Urahara last episode? Yeah, like, as much as we, as much as we both were very angry and hated Urahara, like, last time, I was like, I was like, I see this, and I'm like, he's a dad! He's a good dad! And, like, he... He's like, oh no, don't worry, it's not your fault, no one's mad, no one's in trouble. No one's mad except Jinta. Like, well, yeah, but fuck, fuck Jinta, like, honestly. Fuck Jinta. But like, but like, the way he says it is, no one's mad, no one's in trouble, we're not gonna be in trouble because of this, we're all just gonna work together and we're gonna fix this. Like, he's just like, oh, she's worried either because she thinks she did something wrong and they're gonna be in trouble, or she's worried of like a more nebulous, like, oh, this thing that I did is going to cause trouble for the shop, which is more likely given, like, what we've seen of her so far. And he's like, no, your fears, they're valid, but also not, like, a thing right now. It's fine. Just relax. We're going to get through this. Lin says, at Kubo, do this, but, like, all the time. And I agree wholeheartedly. Urahara needs to be like this all the time. As the crew confirms everything is ready, they're going to go retrieve the merchandise. We cut back to the elementary school, and the kids from last episode wonder why Ichigo is acting so weird. Rukia runs up, stopping in surprise, as we see Ichigo and the Mod Soul fighting. Our real Ichigo seems to be uh, winning this one when the Mod Soul runs away. Ichigo demands he comes back, but Rukia's soul pager beeps. There's a hollow afoot. He reluctantly follows Rukia, and the kids in the schoolyard get in trouble as their teacher doesn't believe their story of what just happened. You poise play too many video games, she says. Why doesn't this teacher just, like, God, I, I mean, I guess I get it, but also, rude. <laughs> I don't like this teacher. 
She's the cool one. She doesn't, like, confiscate their video games, I guess. She does, though! Oh, yeah, she does. <laughs> what are you talking about? She totally confiscates their video games. No, you're right. I don't, I don't know. In my brain, she, like, like she chewed them out and then just gave them detention and that was it. She's like, okay, go do community service. Also, what's this? And she, like, picks up their game console off the ground and is like, you boys play too many video games. And then she just takes it. In fairness, they did cut class to play video games. Oh, for sure. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying... They did cut class. <laughs> Like, it makes sense, is what I'm saying. Taking the video games is a perfectly rational thing, especially if, like in a lot of schools, in a lot of middle schools, you're not allowed to even bring them to school. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Monsoul gripes about the boys ruining his good mood before sensing the hollow. He stops, realizing it's probably going to attack the boys. He remembers what they said about killing their creations, and we cut back to the kids who are now sweeping the yard as punishment. The Hollow attacks, and we get a funny cut to Ichigo and Rukia as her pager isn't working properly. He tells her she should have bought spares instead of yearning for Chappie. She tells him she can't find the location of the Hollow because the pager is broken. This thing, like, it reminded me of, like, oh yeah, hey, Ichigo, don't you have, like, an entire, like, Pez dispenser's worth of souls in your pocket? <laughs> what ha Whatever happens to those ones? <laughs> don't worry about it. In classic Rukia fashion, I'm just gonna say, don't worry about it. It's fine, they'll be fine. <laughs> I think there's supposed to be more in the Pez Dispenser, supposedly. I mean, we never get told there isn't. So Lynn's asking why there would be multiple, and the reason why I think there's multiple is just that if you're presenting it as a Pez Dispenser, the idea tends to be that, you know, you flick it and you take the candy, but, like, you're gonna have, like, multiple candies in that dispenser. If it was just for, like, the one, why is there, like, an entire dispenser for it? That, that was kind of my thought, too. As opposed to just having, like, a resealable, like, aluminum tab thing. Counterpoint looks cuter. Lynn, you are right. Lynn, Lynn giving the hottest takes. You are indeed the ghost with the most. Looks cuter, fun to design, 100% correct, and most likely the actual reason. Cut back to the yard, and the monster narrowly saves the boys from the hollow attack, kicking it in the face. The boys wonder what's happening, and the dust clears, revealing the mod soul. He runs towards the hollow, and they fight for a bit before his shoulder gets cut open. One of the kids is surprised to see blood before he and his friends run away. Rukia and Ichigo arrive on the scene, and Ichigo calls the Mod Soul an idiot for damaging his body. The Hollow tells the Mod Soul he's not strong enough to be saving people, and suddenly Ichigo enters the fray. We get some cool bits of teamwork from the Mod Soul and Ichigo as they bicker, Ichigo stating he shouldn't be fighting if a lowly Hollow can hurt him this bad. Aren't you supposed to be battle ready, he says? They split the mask, and the Mod Soul runs to follow it off the roof, kicking it upward and beginning to fall. Ichigo catches him and is like, what were you thinking? I like this bit of characterization for Cone as like, I want to be the coolest. He wants to be coolest, but also, specifically, if he didn't kick it up, it would have fallen, like, before it would have completely finished disappearing, it could have fallen on the kids and the teacher uh, underneath. True, 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 true. I so, didn't think about that. So, and, like, his entire reason for fighting the, the hole in the first place is that, oh, yeah, I hate these kids and I was going to beat the shit out of them, but I can't let them be killed, which, you know, they go into a little bit afterwards. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, that's actually, like, some really good, like, thing here. Because, he like, he's scared about getting caught. He's scared about getting killed. But he still doesn't want to see anyone die. Yeah. He's going to actively put himself in danger, even though it's, you know, Ichigo's body, to stop that. The teacher punishes the young boys back again as the Mod Soul and Ichigo listen. And Ichigo asks, didn't you hate those children? 
to which the mod soul states that they would have been killed if he hadn't helped. He recounts the days of living in fear inside a pill after the death of all mod souls was ordered, watching as his brethren disappeared. He wanted to know why anyone other than him should decide his fate, and then he decided he will not kill or see anyone be killed. Yeah, back on that topic, the idea of living inside a pill, waiting for your death, is terrifying. Like, he implies that he can feel slash see, like, around him, even though he's a pill that can't move. And it's like, oh my god, <laughs> that must be so claustrophobic and incredibly terrifying. That would be terrifying. I would, like, hate being in pill form for any reason. Uh, Urahara appears and pokes the mod soul's pill form out with his cane, causing Ichigo's body to fall limp to the ground. He states that the collection is complete, and Ichigo demands to know what they plan to do with the mod soul. Urahara's like, destroy it, duh. And Ichigo's like, who are you people? Urahara wonders how to answer this as Rukia grabs the pill from him. She chides him for taking back goods without a refund to the customer, and he offers one to her. She refuses it, stating that she is satisfied with her purchase. He's not obligated to collect it anyway, since he operates illegally from outside Soul Society. Rukia hands Ichigo the pill, and they decide to walk home. I like this bit from Rukia because... So, she isn't there for any of the character building that we get from Khan, and, or like the, the, the Matsul, and or any of the conversation between him and Ichigo. So, presumably, her response is still like, well, I guess we should kill the Matsul. But as soon as she sees that Ichigo is like defending it, She's like, oh, all right, sure, Urahara, get fucked. Like, <laughs> it also shows like really good character development from the last episode after Ichigo like asked her if she accepts the Mod Soul's fate, and her entire response was, "It doesn't matter whether I accept it or not; it needs to be destroyed." But and it shows a really good like, okay, she's changed her mind. You know, like maybe we shouldn't be killing this. Yeah, I'm a big fan of, like, just this little moment. And also, Ichigo's instant, like, yo, you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna kill this guy. Mm, don't think so, strange yeah. man. Just like, who are you? Why are you gonna kill this pill? <laughs> like, back off. Step away from the pill. Back off, old man. Later, as the sun begins to set, Ichigo clutches his injured shoulder and takes the pill out, yelling at it. Rukia says he must look strange to outsiders, and Ichigo asks how he can complain to the mod soul directly. Rukia states he needs a body, and Ichigo immediately starts scanning the area for a corpse. It's really funny. She's like, oh, a corpse? Is that all? And he just like, starts scanning, looking back and forth. It, it was fucking funny. He notices a lion plushie sitting on a pile of trash, and he asks if this will work. Rukia's like, I don't think so. And he, like, goes to try anyway, and then she's like, Well, now that I think about it, my geek guy isn't a real body either. I guess it's worth a shot. He puts the pill in the plushie's mouth, and after a few seconds, isn't sure it worked. He spins the plushie by the arm, and then it comes to life, angrily yelling, That hurts, and pushing away from Ichigo. Landing on the ground, he challenges Ichigo once more, only now realizing how small and cute he has become. He is now the con that we, we remember and somewhat, somewhat love. love. I don't love him this episode, but we'll get to that. <laughs> that we know and tolerate, as Lin says. Exactly. Ichigo smiles and grabs the plush, reminding him their conversation wasn't over. He promises to take good care of him as the mod soul tries to fight back. The next morning, back at the clinic, the mod soul declares it's morning and drops onto Ichigo, demanding he wake up and apologize. He's like punching Ichigo, like, wake up, we have to fight or whatever. Ichigo wakes up and throws the mod soul against the wall before saying, you should act more like a stuffed animal instead of yelling so much. 
He addresses the mod soul as Kon, who demands to know why he's being called this. Kon is like, why don't you call me Kai? I like that name. Ichigo says it's easier than Kaizo Kunpaku, and if I called you Kai, that might be a cool name, and I wouldn't like that. It's kind of a dick reason, Ichigo. He's, t- he's telling you that he prefers Kai. Come on. Yeah, but I thought it was funny, but I was like, also, like, this kind of sucks. Rukia opens the closet and wonders what all the noise is. She jumps out of her bed and she like steps on Kon's face and there's like a pause and then like an arrow directly pointing under her skirt and it's like, um, panty joke. And Kon is like, nice angle. I hated this. She steps harder, grinding him into the ground, which Cone deserves. Die, Cone. Never mind, he should be called Cone. He deserves it. Apparently, Ichigo is running late as Yuzu bursts into the room, and Ichigo hides everyone in the closet. He's like, why are you in here so early? And she's like, it's not early anymore. Keigo and Mitsuhiro are outside. So Ichigo goes to the window, and he like apologizes to Keigo and Mitsuhiro for keeping them waiting. They tell him to take his time, but hurry, and Keigo specifically says this isn't like him. Ichigo asks Rukia if she erased their memories again, and she says yes. He notes too many things have happened lately, and then he puts on his watch, stopping in shock as we get a full-screen view of the date, the 16th of June. Rukia prepares to leave, but Ichigo doesn't follow. She asks for what's wrong, and he tells her it's nothing. I really appreciate how he... Because he, he looks at Keigo... Then he looks back at Rukia and he asks about the memories thing. And he looks like he's about to say, hey, I'm starting to not be comfortable with the ethics of constantly rewriting the memories of my friends. That's kind of weird. Same. <laughs> Same, and, uh, dude. And then he gets distracted because he looks at his watch and, and, like, the show, like, stops. Yeah. It's like, it's like, oh, I don't know what this June 16th is, but it's a thing. My wife, who did watch the episode with me, immediately did say what the date was. And I did not say anything because I did not want to spoil it, but they were on the ball. So she asks what's wrong and he tells her it's nothing. Cut back to school. We get a scene about the girls in art class doing a My Future assignment. Michiru, one of their classmates, asks Tatsuki and Orihime about theirs. Tatsuki's artwork depicts her as a Veil Tudo champion in a fighting ring, while Orihime's depicts her as a robot who's got, like, mecha powers and, like, extremely hot flames it's really good top speed of 380 kilometers per hour flames that shoot out at 20,000 degrees celsius <laughs> and destructive eye beams we get a shot of a totally unimportant character cross stitching as each other walks in god yeah that whole thing was god i love orihime like i i absolutely adore orihime where because it's like please sketch what you want to be in the future and orihime is like i want to be a murder robot <laughs> I I am going to destroy this world. But also, like, Tatsuki's work is also, like, the opponent that she has defeated and is on the ground in her in her piece is clearly, like, super jacked, and she just looks exactly the same as, yeah. she, as she is now. She's like, oh, yeah, no, I'm just gonna beat the shit out of, the, like, the super ultra-heavyweight champion. <laughs> Orihime greets Ichigo as he walks in, and he greets her back in an unusually friendly way, smiling. I want to note, he, I, I thought it was really weird how everyone, like, in this scene, like, suddenly forgot honorifics. Like, it's something I always, like, pay attention to somehow. And I don't know if, like, if, if this is a thing that, like, has been happening throughout the show. Nobody uses, like, Orihime-chan or San. 
here, uh, not even, like, Michiru, who I assume isn't, like, super close to Orihime, uh, Ichigo just calls her Inoue, which is, you know, first name, which is extremely friendly, does not use any honorifics here. Very unusual. Well, Michiru, I think, is part of her, like, lunchtime. She's part of the group that we occasionally see Orihime mm-hmm. and, Tatsuki- and Tatsuki in. Ich- Ichigo is, like, specific, uh, friendliness is immediately remarked upon because both Tatsuki and Orihime are all... Like, the pair of them are also are both immediately like, wait, hold on, something's wrong. And I also I like it from both Tatsuki because, you know, she's been uh, Ichigo's friend for years and years, uh, so she recognizes this. But also Orihime, like last episode when she realized, oh, that's not Ichigo, in this episode she's like, mm, something's wrong. Yeah, Tatsuki asks for the date uh, from Michiru, uh, who explains that it's June 16th. Tatsuki goes, ah... He's not actually in a good mood. He acts like this when he's tense. She assures Orihime she knows the reason and tells her that Ichigo is going to skip school tomorrow. That night, there's a notice on the clinic explaining they will be closed on the 17th. Ishin declares it is family planning time and he's the chairman because he's the father. Karim protests, but Ishin refers to her as a chief of staff, which placates her for the time being. I thought that was very funny. It's super cute. She's like, you can't have all the power. Don't worry, you're the chief of staff. And she's like, okay, everything's fine. It's good. Everything's fine. He then immediately declares that, like, Yuzu is the lunch staff officer. And then immediately backtracks and calls Kari in the porter. And she's like, what happened to chief of staff? And then we get a shot of Ichigo as he, like, sits there quietly and smiles. It's a really good smile. It's it's very good. I, I liked the scene. Ichigo arrives back in his room, and Rukia tells him the family mo- meeting looked like a lot of fun, asking if he's cutting school for a picnic. He looks out the window and asks if he can take tomorrow off. She says no, of course not. What's up? Prompting Ichigo to reveal that the 17th is the anniversary of his mother's murder. We get some moody shots of the rain, and, like, Orihime says some stuff about how, like, it connects to the earth or whatnot. I, I did not write down what she said. It was very moody, very atmospheric, and the song that plays here is very good. The music's really good, but I did write down what she says because okay. I thought it, because I thought it was it was actually like a really good bit of um, character writing because it's and Lynn also mentions that it's one of the things she remembers vividly. So Orihime has problems connecting with Ichigo. She wants to be connected to him, but there's like a distance there, and she she is aware that there's a distance there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then especially in this specific case, it's like, oh, if he's giving a false cheer in my direction when he's feeling tense, that, that means there's, like, a separation. So the, yeah. quote, the thing she says, and it's, there's, like, this torrential, like, monsoon downpour outside, and she says, if I were the rain, could I connect with someone's heart the way the rain connects the never-intersecting sky and earth? Which is a very Kingdom Hearts way of describing wanting to get close to someone. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, is this Kingdom Hearts? <laughs> yeah, so she she just wants to connect to his heart. She just wants to, you know, like, be his guiding key. <laughs> Welcome back to Kingdom Hearts cast, one says. God. So, we get some moody shots of the rain as we just went over. And Ichigo dreams about the day his mother died. We get some shots of him seeing a girl by the river, trying to save her his mother calling after him, and then finding his mother dead. He clutches his head, and then we cut to Soul Society. I think this is our first look at Soul Society, actually. It is. And, like, I 
for the first like half of this scene in Soul Society, I was sure that it was a dream or a flashback. Because yeah, me too. We go for, like it cuts from Ichigo's nightmare to slash memories to Rukia like in the closet with her eyes open trying to sleep. Or mm-hmm. I'm not sure anymore if she actually sleeps. That's one thing. I don't think we've ever seen her sleep. Like, sleep, sleep. And then there's also the fact that here she's just, like, sitting in the closet. Like, she's laying down in the closet with her eyes wide open. But then it immediately transitions to, like, this Soul Society shot, which also has, like, really blurry, like, borders. And I'm like, is is this a dream? Is this a flashback? Hey, Chichi Kubo, write in. Uh, this is important. Do Soul Reapers sleep? I'm, I'm sure he'll get back to us. Of course. We're the biggest Bleach podcast on the network. Yeah, I mean, hey, <laughs> I couldn't find many others. We cut to Soul Society and see a man named Ikichiro Saido playing with some spinning tops with a group of children. They're all having a great time and a man in a mask appears and Saido falls silent. The children all are disappointed when he says that something has come up and he hands them something. I didn't really catch what it was. And they joyfully run off. In an alleyway, he asks the masked man who he's targeting today, and the man reveals Saito's target to be Rukia. Saito asks what she's done this time, prompting the masked man to state she has stayed in the human world too long. Uh, But it's more complicated than that, and it's Saito's mission to find out why. Saito asks if he can get rough while smiling, before the masked man just tells him to leave immediately and disappears. And thus ends the episode. I came away mostly positive on this episode. We did, for a split second, uh, at the end of the Orihime scene, see Uryu, who will become apparent later. He's totally unimportant right now. He's not important. He's more prevalent in the uh, opening sequence than Orihime is. Yeah. But he's not important. He's not a main character yet. Not yet. I I did like this episode. I was a bit surprised that the Kon stuff just ended, like, halfway through. But, like, I'm glad it did, because I, I think all this stage setting for the the next episode and the episode after that was really good. I'm very excited for the rest of this arc. I am overall pretty positive on the episode. It is weird that it felt like, like, the the previous episode and this ep- and the first half of this episode are an arc unto their own. So it's really weird that, like, we hated the the last one so much, and then... The parts that related to that arc are really, really good in this episode. Yeah. It's like that it's like you took all the good stuff from the previous episode and you put it into this one instead. Which is the same thing that happened in the Chad episode, except like the the first episode in the Chad arc was also good. So Yeah. And then there's the scene at the end with the Soul Society stuff, which is like, you know, okay, cool. There's like a mystery, there's like some weird like Hitman stuff, and this ninja comes in. And sure, that's all important. What's more important, these kids play with Beyblades. Spirit Beyblades. (laughs) Spirit Beyblades. We should take a break. Uh, Five minute break. Get ready for the next episode. Yep. All right. Episode 8, June 17th, Memories in the Rain. I do want to mention the incredible hilarity of I'm watching someone go through Phoenix Wright uh, and they just got to Apollo Justice and I was like, oh, I'm going to take a little break 
eat my lunch uh, before I watch this episode. I'm going to eat lunch. I'm going to watch some Apollo Justice stuff. And it'll take my mind off of Bleach. <laughs> and then it's Apollo Justice, June 16th. What do you think is it that shit in fucking Devotion to? <laughs> I'm like, what is happening? Like, literally, like, I, I start Devotion and I look at the calendar and it's like June 16th. And I'm like, god damn it. <laughs> I'm like, damn, tomorrow Ichigo's mom dies. We start the episode off in the Dark Realm with some creepy shots before the big bad Hollow claims he is going to the human world. These shots were really good. I, I really liked these establishing shots uh, more than I've liked a lot of the uh, weird Dark Realm shit going on. Yeah, it's some it's some really good like oh there's like a, a, like a council of hollows or something like I don't know what's going on here and then it just has like this really big close up shot of like I'll go just like oh damn cut to a hill in town Ichigo and his family are walking to the cemetery there's a funny bit where Yuzu complains about walking so much and Karin's like oh it's fine it's not no big deal and Ishin like gets on his hands and is like. Ishin handstand dash he says something else but don't don't worry about it it's fake to which Karin responds by kicking him down the hill as he like runs on his hands towards them and Karin tells Yuzu this is their chance and then Ichigo notes how hot it is and how different it is from the June 17th his mom died where it was like super rainy uh same day very different temperature that's how time works Ichigo I do like that, like, as soon as Ishin starts being a goober and doing, like, weird shenanigans, Karen's like, look, just don't encourage his antics. Don't <laughs> give him any attention. Like, he's a toddler. It's fine. <laughs> and he immediately just starts yelling, even if you ignore me, I'm automatically encouraged. <laughs> it it's really like, okay. Absolutely, this guy, like, at least once a week, goes to Karen and is like, I'm not touching you, I'm not touching you, Absolutely. please give me attention. I love Ishin, but I hate Ishin. He is a toddler and a criminal. So, they notice somebody on the path, and it turns out it's Rukia. She's happily waving, and Ichigo panics, and he's like, I don't know her, I'm talking right now about how much I don't know her, she's not real, and then... Karin's like, I don't know, she seems kind of familiar. And he's like, wait, I do know her. She's a classmate from my middle school. I'm feeling so nostalgic right now. I'm gonna go talk to her alone. And he runs off and grabs her arm and they, like, run off the fucking screen. It was really fucking funny. Rukia's smile here is the best. Rukia has a pure smile. It's her innocent smile. It's her... I can do no wrong. How great to meet, how great it is to meet you, stranger. Like that smile. And just like the way she's waving and giving like that smile. She's like, hi, pleasure to meet you. It's like, oh my God, this is the best part. In the forest, Ichigo demands to know why Rukia came. She asks what he would do if a hollow appeared. And he's like, you know what, you're right, but you need to be more discreet if you're going to follow me. She says she didn't actually think about that. And then she, like, immediately jumps into asking how Ichigo's mother was killed. Uh, and she's like, you've been able to see spirits since you were young, right? Is there any chance it could have been a hollow? And he, like, gets really angry. And this is, like, a pretty reasonable response, honestly. He gets really angry, and he's like, actually... I'm the one who killed my mother. And then he runs off, and she calls out to him, and then we see Saito watching from behind a tree. 
Yeah, like this, like the immediate like shift in Ichigo's thing, which is like, oh no, you did not just say that. Because there's a very clear, like, if he accepts that it's a hollow, that means it was probably there to get him, which means it's a more like direct, well, it's, it's, she died because of him, but he already thinks like, as, as far as his memories go, it's like, he thinks he's the cause of his mother's death. So he's already got like this heavy, like survivor's guilt trauma yeah. and it's like hey rukia shut the fuck up like he's like please do not back at tatsuki's house orihime asks her about ichigo's childhood tatsuki eats a potato chip and then is surprised asks if anything happened to which orihime is like i think i figured out his secret i think ichigo is a hero protecting the earth which she's not that far off but obviously this catches tatsuki off guard she recalls how she and Ichigo first met at age four, with his wild hair, a beautiful mother, and a goofy grin standing out to her at the dojo. Uh, I want to state my wife, when we watched this episode together, did say, did, did Tatsuki just call Ichigo's mom a MILF? And I had to die a little bit. Well, 100%. My note says Tatsuki has been a lesbian since she was a toddler. Oh, for sure! Like, Tatsuki cannot and would not, like, refuse to see uh, this woman as the most beautiful angel angelic being that exists. I even told Aiden, like, when we were watching this episode, like, well, she is a lesbian. And Aiden's like, I know this. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm so glad you've caught this from my podcast and not from watching the rest of the show. So... She notes that Ichigo looked so wimpy back then, and even boasts about being the first to make him cry by jabbing him once, which she claims was as a joke. He always broke back into a huge smile when his mother came to pick him up, regardless of whether or not he was crying, though. She hated him for this at the time, stating a boy shouldn't be so happy after losing. She recalls he always seemed happy, only to reveal his mother passed away when they were nine. Ichigo's a fucking baby. I love young Ichigo. Yeah, he's like, a, he's an adorable little toddler who's just like a big mama's boy. And he's like, oh yeah, he's super, it's super easy to make him cry. But as soon as his mom's around, he's like, nope, can't cry in front of her. Can't let her see me being sad. And then he's like, he just gets the biggest, goofiest grin on his face. And he's just like, oh, I want to pinch his cheeks. Uh, he's I wanna, a baby. I want to give, give little Ichigo a hug. I, I'm not a kid person, but I would give, I would 10 out of 10 hug Ichigo. Hug baby Ichigo. She went looking for him when he didn't show up to school afterward, and she found him walking along the riverbank where she died, his book bag on his back. He would walk for hours, taking a break only for a few moments at a time. Orihime listens, visibly sad. Cut to Rukia, who sits, berating herself for making a stupid claim about hollows and not thinking about how Ichigo must feel. Kona zips Rukia's backpack and pulls himself out. They bicker a bit, and Kone criticizes Rukia for thinking only of Hollows and her job, which, valid. She senses something nearby and then stands up, Kone asking what's wrong. She walks into the forest and finds Saito sleeping against a tree, but he suddenly wakes up and greets her, putting her immediately on guard. Kone realizes that he's a soul reaper and quietly gets the hell out of there, and we cut to Ichigo remembering the day his mother died. Bleach sometimes has a bit of a problem with, like, the anime melty face look. There's a lot of scenes where sometimes you'll be like, oh, like, okay, I guess they didn't spend, like, a ton of time just, like, touching this up. Which makes sense, because the the series was kind of created to be a super long-term thing. But when it comes to showing someone just being, like, very sad and contemplative, and they can hold on that shot, that, like, 
those faces are really, really good. Like Tatsuki Agreed. when she said when she says like and then when we were nine, like his mother passed away and she has like this really intense look on her face and you're like, shit, that's good. Obviously a large part of it is that they can just grab like the manga panel. Yeah. But regardless, it's still very cute. And then there's also like the moment where Rukia actually like even before Khan calls her out on it, which again, deserved, Rukia actually like, you know what? I fucked up. I shouldn't have gone into that conversation like that. I shouldn't have asked him about it that way. Like, she acknowledges that she is completely in the wrong. Yeah. And like Lynn says, the show is really good at showing the intense emotional reactions that characters have. We cut to Ichigo remembering the day his mother died. We get a flashback of a young Ichigo walking home with his mother, Misaki, in the rain. A truck drives by, splashing water onto his face, and then Misaki happily cleans him up, calling the truck driver mean. She offers to stand on the roadside instead of him, but he declines, stating that he'll protect her as he's wearing a raincoat. She says she won't allow this until he can beat Totsuki, though. Which I thought was a very funny line. It's a really adorable thing, because he's like, Hey, I'm gonna be on the roadside, and I'll protect you, because I've got my raincoat. And she's like, well, one, no, because, like, child safety. That's not how we do things. But she has, like, a good, she has a good, like, reason to give him, where she's like, well, you can't be Tatsuki, so you can't protect me from a truck. <laughs> it's just really adorable. Yeah, I, God, I, I love, I love this relationship. I like how it's presented in this episode. It's very good. President Ichigo states that I felt at ease whenever his mom was near. In the flashback, though, they walk along the path of the riverbank, and Ichigo notices a young girl at the river's edge. Present-day Ichigo recalls he still couldn't tell the difference between spirits and the living, and young Ichigo runs out to the girl as Misaki calls out telling him to stop. Before we go any further, I do... I, I did almost forget to mention, we did get confirmation here that he has in fact been able to see spirits from a young age, so I don't know what the hell he was on about, like... Back in the Orihime arc, where he's like, Oh, well, I, I couldn't really tell. I, I couldn't see spirits that much. Like, either just like a messed up script, or maybe he was lying, or... <laughs> I don't know. It's not worth dwelling on, but I'm, I'm gonna dwell on it right there. Lin, that is illegal. That is not okay. <laughs> Lin says in the chat, Misaki says, You can't protect me. And Ichigo replies, You're right. I couldn't. Too soon. Too soon. So he sees a young girl at the river's edge, and President Ichigo recalls he couldn't tell the difference between spirits and the living, and young Ichigo runs out to the girl as Misaki calls out, telling him to stop. The girl falls into the river, and Ichigo reaches out to grab her, only for her cape to disappear. Ichigo recalls that he was told his name meant to completely protect the one thing you set your mind on, so he decided to protect his mom. Young Ichigo wakes up under his mother's dead body and tries to wake her up, crying. Present day Ichigo notes his mother died saving him from something, and that his mother was the center of the family. Everybody loved her, and he tore away from the ut center. He, like, gets down on his knees and he, like, weeps, and it hurts. It hurts. It's such an effective scene to show Ichigo's, like, trauma and his guilt, because one, it's like, oh, he learned that his name meant to completely protect something. And then he decided at a young age, he's like, okay, if I'm going to protect a thing, I'm going to protect mom. And then we see like this, this scene of them all playing in the park and how like, because the girls are are playing with his mom. He's running ahead, but he's still like very fixated on her and Ishin's bringing up the rear. And we already know how much of a wife guy Ishin is. Yeah, we do. <laughs> and then Kurosaki blames himself 
because uh, for her death. So obviously the natural progression of that is I took her away from all three of them. We've seen in previous episodes when Ichigo was like thinking back on it, how her death like really affected his sisters in particular. So it's like, oh, not only it was the was her death like especially traumatic for his sisters, but there was like that extra layer of guilt that he's probably feeling where he's like, oh, I am aware that her death was incredibly traumatic for them. Yeah. It was incredibly traumatic for me, but I'm going to like push that aside, feel guilty about it because in addition, I caused this trauma for my sisters. And it's like, oh, Ichigo. I just want to give him a hug. It, it, it was really effective. I, there, there are like some shonen tropes in here, obviously, but like, it was still a really well done scene. And like, Seeing Ichigo cry, like, that hurts. <laughs> yeah, they, they did a good job at just like, oh, here's this here's this guy feeling guilty. And just like, okay, well, you know, a lot of shonen characters have, like, tragic backstories. And then he, like, breaks down and falls on his knees. And you're like, oh, no. Oh, no, my heart. My heart. I wasn't prepared for this, Kubo. Lin says 15 and needs so many hug, and I agree. We cut to Karin and Yuzu in front of Masaki's grave. There's a good little bit where Karin talks to her mother, like, praying, seeing that everybody's doing just fine. We do get Yuzu crying, though, and Karin, like, kind of berates her for it. We're both 11. Grow up. I thought that was, like, I I, I get it, but also, let your sister cry. (laughs) It's like, yeah, this is the one-year anniversary of the death of your mom. Come on. Like, let go a bit. But at the same time, I can also think, I can see Karen also being of the idea of, like, because it, it could come from a place of, if you cry, I'm going to cry. Like, and I'm trying yeah. very hard not to cry. Please don't cry. True. I don't know. Karen's a Terminator. We've already established this. I mean, she, she only cried when the parakeet was sad. This is true. Suddenly, Ishin appears and declares it's time for the annual Kurosaki Family Tombstone Dominoes Tournament. I, I don't know where this line came from. It was very funny. Karin kicks him and he says, there will be wardrobe malfunctions and peaks. And I'm not really sure what he's trying to imply here. I like, he's talking to his daughters, his 11 year old daughters. Why is he implying wardrobe malfunctions? And like, what is he getting at here? So I like to think that this has nothing to do with Ishin. And just entirely has to do with both of these lines were in the previous episode's preview. And they ended up being like, oh, we're just going to drop them in here. Because they don't really make sense. It's like, Ishin, like, why are you saying this? Like, just, no, go to jail. Yeah, like, it really is, like, out of nowhere. And, like, I get what you're saying. It, it just, like, really heavily implies he's, like, referring to his daughters, which just comes across as really, really fucking gross. Now... That aside, I do appreciate Ishin's like, or at least my my read of this and of the earlier like shenanigans is that he's basically going, "Oh, my my daughters are feeling trauma. I'm gonna be a complete goofball and yeah. distract them from these bad thoughts." Yeah, I I agree with that. I do like that read too. Karin runs away back in the forest. Rukia demands to know who Saito is. He states the name Rukia Kuchi was famous back at the academy. She was known as the princess of the Rukangai for being adopted into the Kuchi clan. 
He introduces himself, asking if she remembers him, since he was apparently pretty popular too. She doesn't, and he gets really dejected. She asks if he's part of the stealth force, which confirms, and he, like, pulls a string on his hat, and it, like, raises a flap that has, like, a, a character on it. I, I don't know what it says. I assume it just says, like, yes or correct or something. I think it's, like, a... Like, it makes me think of, like, like a quiz show, like, novelty hat kind of thing. Yeah. So he pulls on the string, and it says, like, correct, correct. Like, bing bong, bing bong, bing bong. It's very funny. Lynn says he absolutely made that hat himself, and I'm inclined to agree. 100%. Kon reaches Ichigo after Rukia demands to know what Saito wants, and Kon warns Ichigo of Rukia's situation. Saito reveals that Soul Society wants to know why Rukia hasn't returned, to which she asserts it's because hollows keep appearing and she keeps receiving orders. Saito implies she's looking for pleasure in the human world, and he just kind of sucks. Saito sucks. Like, he goes in and he starts making, like, weird jokes about her coming of age, and he's insinuating she's dressing up pretty to, like... I think he straight up says to do it with the human boy. He does. That's really weird. And now, immediately after, it's, like, the... The scene kind of reads that, like, he doesn't think any of it, and it's literally just, what is the... Like, he's only saying the things that he thinks would piss off Rukia the most. Yeah. But also, like, come on. <laughs> like, it's it's a dumb joke. The show, like, very, very constantly goes into the shit with women, and it, it sucks. Saito implies she's looking for pleasure in the human world, and he just sucks. She charges some keto, and he jumps away, stating he'll have to take Rukia back if she doesn't provide a good reason for her staying in the human world. She tells him he, she does not plan to return for a while, and Saito draws his zanpakuto. Kon calls out and Ichigo arrives and asks Saito who he is. No, sorry. Saito asks Ichigo who he is. And Rukia's like, don't tell him. And Ichigo's like, I'm gonna tell him. I'm a substitute soul reaper. Saito laughs and states this is a serious crime. He beckons Ichigo to fight and immediately attacks. Ichigo shoves his hand into Kon's mouth and grabs the pill and then pops it in his own mouth. This was really funny. (laughs) It's like... He goes deep. Like, it's such a traumatic event for Khan that, like, once he's in uh, Ichigo's body, he's he's just kind of dazed, and he's stunned, and he's, like, holding on his own neck. And he's like, oh, God, Ichigo, like, what did you do? Why would you do that? (laughs) This surprises Saito, and Ichigo begins to fight back. Saito wonders aloud about Ichigo's transformation, and now Ichigo refuses to give him info. Rukia's like, hey, let me fight. And Uchiko says, no, you don't have a sword. You're useless. The fight continues as Karin senses something big at Misaki's grave. They're attacked by a hollow, and it states that they will be good bait. Karin tells Yuzu to run. The fight keeps on for a bit. Saito is bored and asks if brute strength is all Ichigo can manage. After all, he has no skill or idea how to fight. The soul pager ends up going off, and Rukia reveals there's a hollow nearby. Both Saito and Ichigo abandon the fight, and Rukia states it has a lot of spiritual energy and might attack Ichigo's family. I think it's worth saying, Saito just kind of like shows up behind them and is like, oh yeah, it looks like a powerful one. They're like, what are you doing? But, um... I did actually like really like that he's like, oh hey, there's a hollow over there. Like, because like, he clearly has like reasons to do this, but the way they present, they, they present in this episode that he's actually like good at his job... Or at the very least, like, he he cares more about, like, he cares about bystanders, and he cares about the fact that there's a hollow that's showing up. So, like, he doesn't yeah. keep attacking, he doesn't, like, try to capture Rukia, he's just like, 
oh yeah no this seems like a thing you y'all should y'all should handle or we should handle yeah ichigo runs off with rukia as soon as she mentions that like it might attack his family saito's like guys wait and then we cut back to the hollow which is doing some like real damage to ichigo's sisters Ichigo and Rukia have a conversation in slow motion while they're running down the stairs where Ichigo's like, aren't you going to ask me about my mother? And she's got this like really good bit where she's like, I realized I was wrong. There's not really a good way for me to ask about it without like tracking mud into your heart, which is some more Kingdom Hearts shit. And she states, I'm going to wait till you are ready to tell me and I will be here for you to tell me. And God, their dynamic is so good sometimes. It's so, so fucking good. Like, this bit... Because she's there and she's, like... She's super compassionate. She understands that she can't ask him about it without hurting him. Mm -hmm. And because it's still raw and it's still something that he feels guilt about. But she's like, hey, you know what? Tell me when you're ready. I'll be there. Like, I'm good. We're good. We're all good. She gives him this look, too, that, like, has a lot of resolve in it that I really liked. That just, like, really sells the whole conversation. They continue towards the threat, and Saito lands behind them, wondering aloud what he should do. The Hollow, known as Grand Fisher, states that one hostage is enough, and he, he prepares to devour Yuzu, ending the episode. I liked this episode a lot. This was a good episode. This It had some really, really strong... Like, aside from, like, maybe, like, three minutes total of runtime with, like, some bad, dumb jokes... Yeah. Uh, it had like a lot of really good emotional stuff it had a lot of connection between the two it had like some really good like oh i made a mistake i need to fix this and come at this issue like using a different angle that's much like more emotionally intelligent about it yeah rukia is learning how to like actually like be a better friend and i really like that i I have been waiting for, like, I've been waiting for this arc because I remember it being really good, and I am glad it's paying off for the most part. Lynn just now mentioned that Yuzu mentions in the first episode that she can vaguely feel Spirit's presence, yet she continues to be oblivious to the giant hollow right in front of her. Yeah, I thought that was weird, too. I think the intention is that she's... Like, if the if a hollow is taking any steps at all to hide, she's not going to feel it. Like, even when a human spirit is, like, two feet away, she barely senses it, is the way that I read it. So she's, like, she she is sensitive, quote-unquote, compared to normal people. But if anything is, like, taking any steps to hide, or if there's anything that's, just, that's distracting her, she's probably also just thinking too much about her mom uh, to, like pay attention to her surroundings might be that might be another reason uh like she's not really gonna notice it and yeah no this episode's just like some good good stuff like the i remembered this arc as being one of the things like before we started this podcast if you'd asked me about like what's a good bleach arc i 100 grand fisher arc grand best fisher. thing like what i generally consider this arc as the emotional high of bleach like this arc is the best that it goes as far as the connection between characters and like exploring their emotions. But one thing, I did not remember this Soul Reaper at all. <laughs> like, I, oh me either. I, I completely <laughs> forgot that he was a thing. And I, I was did like, too. 
I was like, who the fuck is this guy? What does he do? What? So, like, I am completely at a loss as to his role in the upcoming episodes. Like, I don't, I don't even know if he becomes more of an antagonist or more of an ally. I'm assuming he's more of an ally and potentially gets killed during the Grand Fisher stuff. But, like, I have no recollection of who he is or what happens to him, like, whatsoever. And I'm like, I did not expect Bleach to blindside me so much. <laughs> Like, it blindsided me in previous episodes as, like, oh, I didn't remember, like, this gross shit being in here, or I remember this shit being here, but not, like, in this particular, like, concentration or type of stuff. Like, some of that, or I was surprised at how much, like, both of us were surprised at how much we liked Ichigo, or all three of us were surprised at how much we liked Ichigo in the first episode. Ichigo's so good! But, like... I was not prepared to just be like, hey, here's an entire goddamn subplot that you just completely blanked out of your mind. Like, oh, here we are. It's Bleach. Hello. I have a feeling it's going to get like that the further we go on as like Bleach becomes less memorable. Yeah. Oh, God. As soon as soon as we hit the filler arcs. Oh, God. I'm. Mm. It's going to be great. Bleach yeah, is no, good. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Bleach is good. It couldn't possibly get worse. Bleach has never faltered. It, it, Bleach is the best of the big three. <laughs> I since I did state this like off the episode, like at the beginning, I'm gonna state this again for for the audience. At the end of each wiki article for each episode, it states like the powers and techniques used. And I just want to state for this episode, it lists one technique: Hakuda techniques, Ishin handstand dash, and that's it. And this this dash actually I haven't clicked on it. This dash actually has an entire wiki page. Oh my god! Let's see here. Uh, it's got an animated GIF of him doing it, and then it says the practitioner stands on their hands and then uses his arms to move forward at a high speed. It can be used while going up a hill as proof of a high level of stamina for the practitioner. <laughs> Known practitioners: Ishin Kurosaki. That's it. Like, this does seem like an incredibly difficult, like, thing to do, but also... I, I love that it specifies it as a Hakuda technique, which, for, for those not in the know, Hakuda is, like, close combat fighting, basically. I, I just think it's very funny. We should probably end the episode. We've been going on for a long time. Guys, go play Devotion. Enjoy Bleach while it's good. Thank y'all for listening. You can find me at Lavender underscore pause on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at SSBSLJ, and our co-host ghost is at L-O-T-E underscore L-A-K-E, Lotlake, on Instagram. The show is at, at BleachCast on Twitter. Sure is. Still baffled we got that one. You can also send in questions to our Gmail at IWOBleachCast.com. Or at, at gmail.com, not just .com. I wish we had a website. But yeah, uh, thanks for listening. Stay cool, Chads. Stay cool, Chads. KH3 is good and bad. Agreed. Thank you, Lynn. I never felt Peace. this empty before. And if I ever knew-